0: Okay, so um, isn't it amazing how um, music or or smells can do it as well, actually, or certain words immediately take you somewhere or they evoke something in you. So, for example, this is risky, actually. I'm going to sing over you. No, 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 I am going to sing. So let me just like just one phrase, really, and immediately you will tell me where it has taken us to. Let it go, let it go. Yes, thank the Lord that worked. Okay, yes. Frozen. Hands up if you've seen the film, Frozen. Oh, quite a lot of you. It's, it's kind of missed me by because my kids were of an age where they were... I say that, actually. My daughter still loved it and still watched it. And I've seen it once, but it's a great film. It's one of Disney's biggest ever films. And just that one little phrase, let it go, let it go, will take you straight to the concept in the film of Frozen. You've been embarked on a whole series of morning, Sunday mornings, teaching, really good teaching, huge amounts. I know personally, huge amounts of research and reading that have gone on uh, in the background to all of that on relationships, on relationships. And uh, here we are coming to the close of that season on those talks. And here is the reality. Whatever we learn about relationships, one of the most important things that we can learn about relationships is what do we do when relationships go wrong? What do we, because relationships do go wrong. I, I've been asked over the years, I've been involved now in full time Christian ministry for, for, I'm in my 42nd year, and sometimes people interview you and they say things like, you know, what have you learned? What have been the greatest lessons? What have been the hardest things, the deepest valleys, the highest mountains, and so on? And I would have to say that genuinely, literally, one of the most painful things in 42 years of ministry that I've had to endure is when relationships go wrong and when people hurt you, and when you either deliberately or inadvertently hurt other people. And this morning, I've been asked to speak on the subject of forgiveness and reconciliation, and I want to start right there. Let it go. Let it go. Because if you don't let it go, if you, don't, if you harbor unforgiveness, if you don't deal with unforgiveness, if you don't move, if you don't choose to move into forgiveness, I will guarantee you, you will be frozen. You will be frozen into ineffectiveness. You will be frozen into pain. You will be frozen into a hardened and a hardening heart. You will be frozen into the past. You will forever be harking back to what was or what might have been or what if or yes but they and all of those sorts of things that we inhabit and we live in if we don't learn to let it go. There's not a person in this room, I would suggest, you don't have to be a prophet. There's not a person in this room who has not been hurt by other people. What will you do with that? Let it go. Let it go. Don't live trapped in that place. A friend of mine used to use a little phrase which uh, is easy to sound bite really and so it's lived with me. I, it's, it, I remember it still and it's, it carries power and my friend used to say this when it comes to people hurting you, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to unforgiveness you have two options. You can either nurse it and rehearse it nurse it and rehearse it go over it again and again and again in your heart and in your mind and in your memory and perhaps even worse in your imagination so that you end up adding things to the wrong that was done to you you end up up furthering it you go there you live in that place in your heart, in your mind you nurse it and you rehearse it and you go over it again and again, that's an option. You nurse it and you rehearse it. And I, I have to be real t- with you this morning as, as, as your speaker. I have done that. I have been there. I, I'll tell you one little tip. One of the ways that I know that that's true for me, if I'm living in one, one of those areas where someone has hurt me and now I'm faced with the choice. Do I forgive or do I not forgive? Do I nurse it and rehearse it? And quite often I'll find that it comes clear to me that I've not extended forgiveness in the moment when I'm doing something else on autopilot and then I find what fills my brain. And then I find what comes to my memory. I might be mowing the lawn. I might be clipping the hedge. I might be emptying the dishwasher. I might be doing the hoovering around the house. But in those moments when you're on autopilot and part of your brain is taken up with a menial task, it's often very revealing where your headspace then goes to. And I've mown my lawn too many times, nursing and rehearsing the hurt that was done to me. The pain that I experienced, the injustice that I felt was meted out, the amazing amount of lack of understanding or misunderstanding that I felt that people viewed me through. And instead of letting it go, I've nursed and rehearsed it. And the cost when we do that is always to us. The cost is to me and the cost is to you. My friend goes on to say that uh, the other option that we have if we don't nurse it and rehearse it is that what we can do instead is we can reverse it and disperse it. Good, eh? We can reverse it and disperse it. I'd really like to claim that one for myself, but it was my friend who said those things, so I need to be honest with you. Reverse it and disperse it. What does reverse it mean? Well, what's the opposite of unforgiveness? Unforgiveness. Forgiveness. We come against these things in the opposite spirit and we rob them of their power and we reverse it where perhaps there's been cursing or pain caused to us and we reverse that into blessing and into healing and into forgiveness where there's been unforgiveness. Where do you find yourselves, church? In your heart, in your mowing the lawn moments when the things come into your brain and you create the space that may not even be real in your imagination. Where are you living? Where are you living? Are you nursing it? Are you nursing it, holding on to it, rehearsing it? (coughs) Or are you reversing it and dispersing it? Are you blessing those who have spoken against you or have hurt you or have misunderstood you? Are you releasing them to the goodness and the kindness of God? Maybe a step further than that, are you going out of your way to speak well of them? Are you going out of your way to love them and to bless them and to serve them? Reversing it and dispersing it. Hebrews and chapter 12 and verse 15 has a, a very salutary thing to say. It's speaking in the context of unforgiveness. And it speaks there in Hebrews 12 verse 15 about be careful, watch out, be on the alert, be on your guard, lest a root of bitterness spring up, and in doing so, corrupts and defiles many people. Church, you can't afford that. You can't afford it personally, and you can't afford it corporately. I think sometimes we, 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 we hold on to... Uh, unforgiveness I know I've done this and, and 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 somewhere it's not deliberate it's not the intent of your heart but somewhere on the inside you're thinking this person hurt me and they don't deserve to be forgiven and maybe they don't just like I didn't deserve to be forgiven just like we didn't deserve to be forgiven by Jesus and we hold on to these things as though somehow in, in, in our lack of unforgiveness, justice will be meted out on that person. Or the, the revenge of the law. because we know we mustn't do that, but the revenge of the law will come upon them, and he will heap hot coals upon their head. And we go through the references in Romans. And it's almost like we think by not forgiving the person, somehow we are punishing that person. They'll get their due ends. Can I say that unforgiveness... Punishes one person, and that's you. It's the person who doesn't forgive that gets damaged by unforgiveness, not the person who needs your forgiveness. It's me that gets damaged by it. Unforgiveness is almost like gleefully pouring a cup of poison that you want your your enemy, the person who has hurt you, desperately hurt you, rejected you, abandoned you, misunderstood you, heaped injustice on your head. It's like you've poured the glass of poison and then you drink it yourself and look waiting for your enemy to die. It's you that gets poisoned by unforgiveness. The root of bitterness that springs up and corrupts and defiles many springs up in us. And that's the effect of unforgiveness. What does, um, what does Jesus say when it comes to this whole subject? Forgiveness, what does Jesus teach? There comes a point uh, in the ministry of Christ uh, where He's gathered His disciples around Him and He's doing the stuff, and they're in awe the signs and the wonders, and the people who are healed and released from demons. And, and it's just it's all going on, it's fantastic. And suddenly, just, it's almost like the disciples wake up and think, Oh my goodness, we don't even know how to pray. We don't even know. Jesus is talking all the time about the kingdom of God and how God is his dad. Uh, and we don't even know how to pray properly. So they come to him uh, one day, I always think, as I read the passage, in a sense of panic. And they say to him, Jesus, will you please teach us how to pray? And and that takes us into a very, very famous passage in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, okay, boys, this is how you pray. And he prays what's evermore become known as the Lord's Prayer, which I don't think we. it's okay to repeat it, but It's so easy to get into religion when we do that the the lord's prayer is a template that contains the essence of how we relate to god our father that's how it starts daddy paris patria the daddy of all daddies my daddy my abba and it goes on from there to to give him his due worth and so on but towards the end of of that very well-known prayer this is what jesus says you'll you'll pick it up you'll know it from the from the lord's prayer towards the end verse Uh, Twelve. Jesus says, this is how you pray. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus goes on to say this. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whoa. Whoa. That's heavy duty. And, and can, can I say, I don't, think that's, I don't think that's God saying you better do this. You better do this or else. If you don't do this, this is what I will do to you. I think in effect what God is saying is I'm not able to forgive you. If you hold on unforgiveness in your heart, that, that which has been meted out to you, forgiveness through Christ, you need to meet out to other people. And if you don't do that, I can't... i tell you the best way I can think of... i tell you the best way I can think of illustrating this, actually. Paul and Matt, would you mind standing up? That shocked you, didn't it? There we go. Here we go. Come and stand at, Just stand at the front here where most people will be able to see. I say most people because it's a little bit like little and large here, isn't it? But you know what I mean? So... Uh, <laughs> So uh, what, I want you know, what I want you to do is just face each other, would you please? And just imagine that you've fallen out and it's really, it's almost come to blows. I know, it's difficult. It's difficult. It never happens. But uh, imagine that you fall out and you're almost going in fact, grapple with each other. Would you just wrestle with each other? No, that's it, wrestle with it. Yeah, yeah, come on. Who, who do you want to bite on? Who do you want? No, no. Just hold each other. Rest, like, exactly. Okay. Now, look, look. Silly illustration, but I think there's truth in this. It's hard... For the father to get his arms around two of his kids who are fighting each other. It's hard for me to wrap my arms of love around these guys, both of whom I do love, both of whom I know. It's hard for me to do that if they're fighting each other and they're wrestling and they're holding on to each other. You know what they need to do is they need to let it go. They need to forgive. They need to forgive each other and in turning to the father the Father can then put his arms around them individually and forgive them. Give them a little round of applause as they go back to their seats. (laughs) That was, of course, entirely imaginary. (laughs) And that's what Jesus taught. In answer to the question from his disciples, that's that's where he takes the prayer. That's right towards the end of the prayer. And therefore, it is important. It's the last thing you remember about the prayer. Forgive in order to be forgiven. What does, what does Scripture say later on as we, as we get into some of the epistles? It says it many times. I'm only using two references here. Many, many times Scripture picks up this theme of being forgiven and of forgiving others. But let me just read to you what Scripture says. This is from the book of Colossians and chapter 3. I'm reading from about verse 12. Therefore as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility, gentleness, and patience. My goodness me, we could do a lot worse in the morning first thing, couldn't we, out of a shower, after we've toweled down, and we're we dried off, and we're putting, into our, uh, putting our clothes on. We could do a lot worse than putting on the first sock of compassion, the second sock of kindness, and then the underwear of humility perhaps, I need that one, and then gentleness and patience as we clothe ourselves in these things. Have you ever thought about that? Clothe yourselves in these things. Put them on. It's intentional. It's deliberate. It's not automatic. It's a choice. Clothe yourselves, says the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. He doesn't say there are no grievances. He says, "Whatever, whatever the grievances, however grievous they are, whatever grievances, forgive, forgive as the Lord forgave you." There's your motivation, church. <laughs> I can never get over the amazing wonder of this statement. I it too much. I'll cry. I'm forgiven, church. I am forgiven. All my anger and hatred and bitterness and selfishness and sexual immorality and, and all all the pain I've caused other people. I am forgiven. And you are forgiven. And therefore I cannot, I dare not hold back forgiveness for other people. Because I didn't deserve to be forgiven. And we didn't deserve to be forgiven. And now we must forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And it's there in Scripture for us in black and white. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on... What's the final cloak that we put on? Put on love, which holds them all, binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule Brabayu is the word there. Let it rule, let it be the umpire in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. I found a hugely powerful weapon in forgiving other people is thanking God for them. Letting the peace of Christ be the Brabayo, the, the umpire, in my, the one who, in my heart, I allow to call the shots. The umpire of peace in my heart, who I allow to say, that's allowed into your heart, Pete, and that is not allowed into your heart. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire, let him rule in your heart. I'm very taken in both of those passages that I've read in Colossians and in the words of Christ in Matthew 6, that both those passages are actually using different words uh, for the word uh, forgive. Affiemi is the word that Jesus uses, aphiemi. And do you know what that word literally means, the Greek word "affiemi" It means, <laughs> let it go. That's what it means. In fact, it means let it go as in ruling out a debt. Cancelling a debt. Just let it go. Let it go. And then in the, in the passage that we read in Colossians, uh, the word that's used for forgive there is a different word. It's the word karitsomai. And any of you that have named any children or know any children called karis, then you know that that word in the Greek means grace. And so this is about being gracious toward one another, not meeting out that which is deserved, but meeting out that which is undeserved, the graciousness. Of God, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's all very well, isn't it, to talk about it. How does it work? How do we land this stuff? How do we live in this command of Christ to let it go, to cancel the debt, to exercise forgiveness? I take you back, church, as some of you will know. This story. I take you back to the very beginning, the turn of the year, the very beginning of January 2017. Uh, some of you will know that I was out at that time in Mexico, where uh, we were building uh, houses for the poorest of the poor, um, not on the hotel strip, but on the Yucatan Peninsula, but out in the jungle areas, families who had very, very poor shelters, things that you wouldn't have in the bottom of your garden as a shack living in these things in a hurricane zone so they would get flattened on a repeated basis. Whole families living together in one room with no sanitation or very little sanitation and mud everywhere and so We're building houses for them. It was a fantastic time. and We saw God move in miracles as, as blind eyes uh, saw and withered hands got strengthened and, uh, and p- people who were uh, literally cripples in beds couldn't move uh, w- w- were raised up by Jesus. Saw people get saved, it was fantastic. Built houses, all the gospel, it's all the gospel. No one part of it, it's all the gospel. Just fantastic, amazing time. And towards the close of that time, as some of you will know, I got a phone call back from home. And my wife said, can you sit down? And I, oh my goodness. And she said, is anyone with you? And I said, yeah, my friend Phil is with me. And I sat in this room with my friend Phil, and she told me that, my daughter's then husband of 16 months' marriage had walked out on her and deserted her, abandoned her, and actually to this day has never spoken to her again since. And the pain and the anguish that that causes, it broke my daughter's heart. And does that then rippled out into the family, and it broke the hearts of the family. I had a, a subsequent telephone call with my son, who, who in tears on the other end of the phone said, but Dad, we don't do divorce in our family, do we? How is Freddie, my daughter? Eventually put the phone down and said to Phil, Phil, can we go? I was sharing a room with Phil. I said, Phil, can we, go, can we go to our room? Because there's something that I need to do. There's something that I need you to witness. Now I want to be honest with you, as I walked to our hotel room, myself and Phil, I had images of my mind, of my daughter's face and her heart broken and her tears and and the journey that that pushed her onto of of counselling and of prayer ministry and, and then of time away, of a sabbatical that went on for a year and a half before God was able to begin to put the pieces back together. And I had those things in my heart and my mind. But I'm honest with you, I also had in my heart an image of my daughter's husband. And I would cheerfully have throttled him. I'm a dad. I would cheerfully have punched his lights out. And please not add the little appendum, in love of course. Because I can assure you, it would not have been in love. But we got to the room, and I sat down on a bed, and Phil sat opposite me. And I said, Phil, the thing that I need you to witness is this. I'm going to pray now, and I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Because I need to choose to forgive my daughter's husband. I need to choose to reverse this. And disperse it. I didn't use those words. But I, the words I use are, I need to choose to let it go and to forgive him. I will not have this poison, the life of me and my family. And therefore we must choose to forgive. How do these things land? Forgiveness is a choice before it's a feeling, church. The fe- if, you, if you're really lucky, the feelings might come later. If you're really fortunate, you build a framework. The Holy Spirit's always looking for a framework to fill. And it may be that the feelings come later where you feel warm and gooey towards that person. But forgiveness starts with a choice. It's an act of your will. It's intentional and deliberate. It's setting your face forward like flint and saying, that's the direction that I need to go in. I need to die to myself and forgive this person as Christ has forgiven me. And you know when we do that, it doesn't, it doesn't belittle the offence. It doesn't mean that my daughter's husband hadn't done wrong and hadn't hurt her and broken her heart and damaged the family and his own family. And so It doesn't belittle the offence, but it holds no cost to the offence. It recognises the offence, but it says this you owe me nothing. I can't tell you how many times I've had to think about people who have hurt me and, and, and as I forgive them, the words I've said over their image in my mind or actually physically to them is this. I release it. I forgive you. You owe me nothing. And that's how you tell whether you've forgiven someone. Whether you can say from your heart as you look people in the eyes, say, I let it go. I cancel the debt, you owe me nothing. Nor is forgiveness deserved, necessarily. It's not earned, you know, when they do such and such, when they say such and such, when they come to me and take the initiative, when they apologise, once they've realised how much they have hurt me. Forgiveness is not earned, it's not even necessarily deserved, It has to be freely given by us. And forgiveness may, or it may not, lead to reconciliation. We do not forgive in order to be automatically reconciled. We may hope and pray and work for reconciliation, but my job is to let it go and to forgive. And that's your job. Let's think about Jesus on the cross, shall we? We don't need to turn to these references because they're very, very brief, but I want to make reference to two of the wonderful things that Christ said from the cross. The first one you find in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, where Jesus looks out on his accusers and on his tormentors. He would have been surrounded by... Almost certainly by the Roman soldiers who had delivered the whipping to him. Who had shredded his back so that it looked like a ploughed up field. People died from that whipping. So vicious and violent was it. And as he looks out on those people, as he looks out on the soldiers who have mocked him and are yet to mock him, as he looks out on the dividing of his own clothes amongst them, as he looks out on the remnant of his followers, most of whom by now have rejected him and fled, as he looks out on all of those people, what does Jesus say? Recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23 and verse 34, he says this, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. Not forgive them once they know what they're doing. Not forgive them once they've repented and realized that I'm the Son of God. What are they doing? They come to their senses. They feel remorse. They ask for my forgiveness. From the cross, Jesus says, Father, unilaterally forgive them unilateral forgiveness, one-sided, undeserved forgiveness. Father, forgive them. And it's interesting that he's using the word he taught his disciples to pray, "Afiemi, Father, I cancel their debt. I let it go. I release them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then recorded for us in John's Gospel, the disciple whom Jesus loved in John chapter 19 and verse 28 to 30, recorded for us as, a, as the final words of Christ from the cross, where Jesus shouts out from the cross, not a cry of defeat or of anguish, I would suggest to you a cry of victory. It is finished. And the word he uses there is the word teleos. It is complete. I have brought it to fullness and maturity. And literally, the debt is paid in full. The same word in, in, in equivalent modern Greek gets stamped on the bottom of your bill in your, when you're on holiday in the taverna and you settle up. The debt is paid in full. And so as with Jesus, so with us. Number one, We forgive. Number two, we hope, we work, we pray. We live, we die, we rise again for reconciliation. We forgive and we do all those things for reconciliation. As I finish, I just want to say... I haven't said much about reconciliation I, over the years. I've, I've worked through with people for my own good and theirs, and, and then I've helped other people work through these things in terms of reconciliation. Let me, let me just float four, four simple little statements, questions, that i found to be so helpful when it comes to reconciliation. As I've sat opposite people who have hurt me, and as I've started by saying, I choose to forgive you, I let it go, you owe me nothing. I've also then said to them, I want you to understand how I feel. You haven't made me feel this way, this is my responsibility, but I want you to understand how I feel. And I want then to, you to help me understand how you feel, how I feel, number one. Number two, I want to say to you what I think I did wrong to get us into this situation. Not what you did wrong. I want to talk about the things that I wish I'd never said and the things I wish I'd never done. Because I want to be reconciled to you. So this is how I feel, but you owe me nothing. You didn't make me feel that way. That's my responsibility. But actually, let me go on from there. This is what I think I did wrong in this situation. The third thing I'll then say to people, I've done this so many times, and this is what I want. This is what I would like our relationship to look like. This is how I'd like to go forward. This is what I want to give into this relationship. Again, or perhaps for the first time. And then the fourth thing I'll say is this. And as we go from this place of forgiveness and potential reconciliation, this is what I will do now. This is what I will now commit to do, not just to say, but to do, that this relationship might be reconciled. Church, as I draw to a close, can I encourage you? Can I, this has not been a laugh-a-minute talk, has it? Oh, but it is so important. Like almost nothing else I know, unforgiveness holds Christians back. Therefore, church, be quick to apologise. Get in first. Be quick to, never mind what the other person has done. Get in first. Be quick to apologise. Be quick to forgive, to let it go, to cancel the debt. And be quick to seek reconciliation in as much as it depends upon you. If you want to study this whole topic of forgiveness further, I'll finish by recommending a book to you. It's a book I've personally used twice. I've read it twice. I've done the exercise in it twice for my own benefit of forgiving other people. And it's a book I've recommended to dozens of people over the years. It's a fantastic book. It's called Forgive, Release and Be Free. If this is your issue, Make a note. Buy the book. Read it. Do the exercises in it with somebody else that you're journeying with. Forgive, release, and be free by an author called Joff Day. Okay, church, why don't you just, where you're sitting, why don't you just close your eyes? Actually, I wonder if you would help me. Would you just stand if you're able? Would you stand? (coughs) I want to give an opportunity for people to respond, to receive prayer and support. Prayer and support. This is not easy. What I'm about to ask is not easy. But it is vitally important. As I was preparing this morning's talk, I felt that when I used the phrase, root of bitterness... That, that would resonate with some here, and you know you're living with that. You can feel, on occasions, anger rising in you, reactions that are disproportionate to the cause, indicating there's something deeper inside you, a root of bitterness which has taken root and is corrupting and defiling you. I felt that there would be those here this morning who needed very simply to make a choice to forgive. And in a moment, by coming forward... As you, walk. In the old days, the front of this in a certain type of church was called the mercy seat. I like that. Come and find the mercy of God. As he had mercy on you, come and choose to have mercy on others. So those with a root of bitterness, those who this morning need to simply come forward to say, I am choosing to forgive. Witness this with me, church. And lastly, those who in coming forward, the step that you're making is this. You're saying, I will work for reconciliation. With that person, in that situation, in my workplace, in my family, in my home, with my neighbours, in the church. I will work. By coming forward, I'm asking people to come and stand by me. There's another film. Stand by me. And my commitment is to make that step, that first step of reconciliation not easy to do that is it but if you know that God has spoken to you this morning we want to pray with you we want to stand by you so if that's you will you come out to the front and will you do that right now please do it right now don't hang about people will let you out if you're not on the end of a row people will move so that you can come out come out right to the front that's great just keep coming please come right right forward that's all right thank you keep coming It's going to help us as we pray and stand by the people who bravely responded to choose to forgive, to be reconciled.
1: Thanks, Pete. So those of you who come forward, we're going to take some time to pray for you in just a moment. I just want to pray over all of us and then we're going to bring our time to a close and then those of you who are here, just wait for us to come and just pray with you. Um, Those of you who are out there and you've... Uh, been trained in, in praying for people as we do, then I'm going to invite you to come forward why don't you come forward right now and just join us in praying for some of those people so anyone here, uh, we'd just love you to come and help us do that, we've got a number of people here but let me pray and then I'll just um, share the blessing and then we're going to just pray for you guys for that release, Lord we thank you that you are the God who forgives we thank you that in your undeserved kindness you look on us every single one of us here and you say forgiven and clean and Lord, that's just mind blowing that you would do that for us we're so mindful of our failures and our struggles but you forgive us and Lord we confess that forgiving other people is really, really hard but Lord we ask in this moment for the grace to choose Lord, the journey of our faith is to become more like Jesus. And Jesus forgives every time. And so in this moment, we reject bitterness. We reject unforgiveness. We reject anger. We reject the need for revenge. We reject the need to prove something. We reject the need to get back at someone. We, reject, we just release all of that stuff right now. And we choose love. We choose love. We choose love. And so help us, Holy Spirit, help us all as we stand. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name, to live differently and choose forgiveness and choose reconciliation as much as it depends upon us. Thank you, Father. And so may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and protect you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you what your soul longs for more than anything else, which is his deep abiding peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.